Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, you had better wake him up, get him up, get him going. The morning sky this morning is... uh, Dang cold. It is a severe, at least, uh, weather event we're dealing with to start your Monday, this MLK Day observance holiday. We appreciate those who are going to be with us this morning to talk uh, all things weekend. We'll also get you the very latest on the uh, developments involving the weather and the roads and the uh, closures and whatnot. Fortunately, most things will be closed or were scheduled to be closed anyhow because of MLK Day schools and banks and uh, federal and state buildings so that's a good thing Uh, traffic should be down but so far not too many uh, issues and hazards on the highways and byways i'm sure there are some but uh, so be careful as you get up and out and hit the streets but a little light mist little uh little flurry in the air this morning on this uh, 15 degree day or 17 degree day in austin texas a weather event is happening but we've got a lot to talk about that's why we're here to talk with you on uh Hook them up with Ian Rod V. Appreciate you being there. What a weekend it was. So many developments from the 40 acres. Steve Sarkeesian gets a new contract. Longhorns are adding players and keeping players and maybe even bringing back a legendary coach for the program. Details to come. And obviously, super wild card weekend. Only one of the three games was uh, super competitive. It was a thriller last night in Detroit. Of the three games were pretty one-sided, including... The latest collapse for the Dallas Cowboys in January. What a story we'll get to. Uh, What do the Cowboys do now? We'll dive into all of it. Super wild card weekend. Two more games today. Longhorn's very busy. Not a good weekend for Longhorn basketball. Safe to say five hours might not be enough to get this all uh, on the table and things we need to talk about. But however we do it, we appreciate you being there. You could be listening on 1019 on the FM dial, AM 1260. We're always streaming for you digitally on the Horn app uh, right there at uh, the touch of a button. Download it to your smartphone and you're listening to us wherever you are throughout the 512, throughout the great state, throughout the world on that Horn app and always available to you as well at hornfm.com. And look who it is. He braved the elements, uh, rolled from uh, his house into our Onion Creek compound here in South Austin this morning, the 15th of January. He is our shutdown corner, five hours a day, five days a week here on Hook 'em Up. He's out of the 713. DB High down in Houston, Texas, also the 512. DBU right here in Austin, Texas. Uh, four years in the NFL, including a stop with those uh, upstart Detroit Lions in his day. He also has now been doing 16 great years of radio and media here in Central Texas and beyond. He is our man. Rod Babers, the football theorist, Black Stradamus himself, the proud papa of Baby Monroe. How is it out there, Rod? You braved the elements to uh, come the 15 minutes across uh, uh, South Austin. Not bad, actually. And I went real slow, too. It took my time. Uh, it wasn't bad at all. It's, it's a little, I think, there's a little sp- some sprinkles here and every now and then. I mean, it's kind of drizzling a little bit, but the roads are not that slick right now. So, and I imagine the more and more people that are on the roads, as the day goes on, the roads will be even better. So as long as it doesn't start raining, we don't get the freezing rain, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, there are uh, pockets of it. I was looking at the radar. There are pockets of it. Yeah, and the, uh, the airport. Of heavier precipitation. Going back to your theory, but I heard it's the lake effect at the airport. The lake effect, okay. That's, that's Town what, lake, all right. Yeah, there's a, there's a lake effect that happens at the airport. I don't Colder know. and yeah. seems like a little more yeah. – wintry down yeah, there. Yeah, there so. you go. So, uh, but everything's good. I'm on. The, I, I went through the road. So it's, it's damn cold. It's, it is. It is damn cold. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, trust me. And uh, trust me. I lived in Detroit too. Shout out to Detroit. Uh, right now, people are partying in Detroit, even though it's cold. They don't care. Uh, so we'll get into that. We got a lot to talk about. So I'm excited about the show. Thank you uh, for the intro, as, as always, brother. And thank you for the hospitality. Uh, also, before we get started, as always, we like to give a shout out to those who serve, because even on days like this, uh, those who are who serve, uh, hopefully, get a day 
day off. Uh, but e either way, we still want to thank you for your service. Our society built on the selflessness of service. So uh, all those who are doing God's work, whether it be God, country, or community you serve, we appreciate you and want to give you a shout out each and every morning. Uh, but MLK Day. So happy MLK Day to everybody out there, too. Speaking of service, uh, obviously, we know the, uh, the great service that MLK uh, had and did for this great country. So uh, happy MLK Day to everybody out there. Yes, absolutely. And all this time later, all of his, a uh, lot of his messages and uh, sentiments and thoughts and leadership uh, are still front and center. Uh, uh, a lot of the the uh, should be um, the, the conversations still being had, mm. unfortunately, but uh, still moving forward better than we were, but still can get better. As I always say, we have a lot to do. This you know it's a holiday, but uh, these are the days we look forward to. And in, uh, in our conversations, Rod, there's so much to talk about, so much to keep everybody up to date with. And the the text message, obviously, the text lines. Uh, we appreciate you sending them. We won't be able to get to all of them, I promise you, because people are fired up. Uh, passions are driven by uh, these kind of conversations. The days like yesterday, yeah. as here's the first one in about. Uh, actually, this one came in this morning before we even started. Mm. Same old boy, same old choke job. Dak is whack. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of uh, – Yeah, I will admit that is the uh, – obviously that's the top headline is the disappointment for the Cowboys. That's the big D we're talking about is disappointment all around. And you did, yeah, you got that big D energy, but it was disappointment overall because they were it, – it's – they were a no-show. Well, I mean, they we were a no-show in the big stage. I mean, we talked about them. Offensively and defensively, by the way. In every way. In every way. <laughs> I mean, and we've seen – look, I mean, uh, as you watched it, you're like, you know, we saw this in San Francisco back in early October. Mm. I think we saw this in Buffalo in early December. Big games. Yeah, we're big games, and it, it's kind of the must-win. Mm -hmm. Can they rise to the occasion? They've had some nice wins this year. There's no doubt. They beat Philadelphia at home. They won the division. Cowboys did. Mm. They uh, beat Detroit on uh, – on New Year's, what was it, Christmas Eve, yeah, New Year's Eve, yeah. whatever the weekend was. Damn. And that was controversial. They uh, wasn't the same. Lions. Yeah. Uh, but they won that game. But, yeah, each time we talked about a litmus test, kind of rise up, show what you got game, they played a lot like they did yesterday. And we'll give the Packers credit. But, man, it's amazing. If you told us last week or, you know, going in, you know, the – I mean, let me say it this way. Both, both games involving the Texas teams were blowouts. I mean, I think you would have thought the Cowboys would have blown out the Packers and it would have been the, the Texans in their first playoff experience in a while uh, playing a Browns team that maybe they might have been on the short side of a, one, a lopsided game. Uh, opposite was true, and it really is. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm amazed at just, I mean, I mean the, the Texans could not have played better you know, yeah. for four quarters on all phases, and the Cowboys could not have played worse exactly for right. four quarters in yeah. all phases. It was just uh, un unreal to watch. I mean, really, at the end of the day, the, of the four games which we'll talk about this morning, we'll also look forward to the doubleheader coming today on this MLK Day because of the blizzard in Buffalo over the weekend. We've got a game at 3.30 today, Buffalo and Pittsburgh, and, of course, the, the Buccaneers and Eagles tonight uh, we'll, we'll preview. So two more games to go on Super Wild Card Weekend. But of the other four games that got played, only last night's game was even competitive. I mean, you had – you know, three one-sided games where one, two, two, you know, one team was really strong and the other team was really lame. I mean, really came up, on, came up small, including the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. And we'll try to uh, put our finger on why and what Jerry Jones does next. And let's start with the headlines, get you caught up on all the news of the morning, including an extremely busy day and weekend for the 40 Acres and Steve Sarkeesian's program. Let's get to the latest. Top stories. Always brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment and their brand new location. Not far from here in Buda, Texas, starting the NFL. A complete collapse for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday in Arlington after a third consecutive 12-win season and a division championship. The second-seeded Cowboys completely outclassed and dominated by the seventh-seeded Green Bay Packers, 48-21 in a first-round beatdown. Aaron Jones ran for 118 yards and three scores. Jordan Love threw for three more in his postseason debut. Packers defense intercepted Dak Prescott twice, including a pick six at the end of the first half to put Green Bay up 27 to nothing. And they never look back. In their latest January disappointment, the Cowboys become the first team to win 12 games in three straight seasons and fail to make it to at least the conference championship game in any of them. Here's team owner. Uh, actually, we'll hear from team owner and general manager Jerry Jones after the latest debacle here coming up. But uh, he said he was floored by what he watched as kind of what you all were. Much better outcome on wild card Saturday down in Houston where the incredible season for the Texans and their prodigious quarterback C.J. Stroud continued. 22-year-old became the youngest QB ever to win a playoff game through for 274 yards and three touchdowns as Houston built a 10-point halftime lead. Then in the third quarter, the defense returned two Joe Flacco interceptions for touchdowns on back-to-back -to -back drives en route to a route 45-14 to the Cleveland Browns. Houston's divisional round opponent will be determined today. We do know Houston will play the early game on Saturday, 3.30 kickoff. They're either going to play the Bills 
or excuse me, they're going to they're going to head to Baltimore or or head to Kansas City. One of the two. We'll find out this afternoon. Bills will host the Steelers in a wild card game postponed because of the blizzard in Buffalo. They'll play at 3:30 today. Tonight it'll be the final wild card weekend game. Tampa Bay hosting Philadelphia. The winner of that game will travel to Detroit next weekend. That's after the Lions held on for a 24-23 win over the Rams last night in the Thriller in Motown, Detroit's first playoff win in 32 years. College football, very eventful weekend for the Longhorns uh, this past couple of days. It started early Saturday when Texas AD Chris Del Conte announced that halfway through Steve Sarkeesian's original six-year contract, he and the program have agreed to a new four-year extension that runs through 2030 now. New deal comes with a significant pay increase, of course. Later on Saturday, defensive back Jared A. Barron announced that he plans to return to Texas for his final season of eligibility. He will not enter the NFL draft. The decision is huge for a rebuilt Longhorn secondary. The senior from Pflugerville earned all Big 12 honors each of the past two seasons. Honorable mention in 2022 was the second team all Big 12 player this past season. Good news continued early yesterday when now former Alabama wide receiver Isaiah Bond committed to Texas following a weekend visit. The junior to be was the first Bama player to enter the transfer portal when Nick Saban retired. He's an elite speedster for originally from Buford, Georgia. Spent two seasons in Tuscaloosa. Led the Crimson Tide in catches with 68. Second in receiving yards with 668 in 2023 after losing his top three wide receivers from last season and tight end Jatavion Sanders. Adding an experienced proven wide receiver, a critical move for the Longhorns. Then yesterday afternoon, multiple reports surfaced that Texas defensive backs coach Dwayne Aquina is expected to return to the Longhorns for a role within Steve Sarkeesian's program. 67-year-old spent the past season as, as an analyst with Jed Fish at Arizona, where he worked alongside new Texas linebackers coach Johnny Nansen, of course, for 12 years, from 01 to 13, he was the architect of DBU, including our own uh, Rod Babers over there. We'll talk about that, obviously, throughout the morning. And we'll coach Akeen his plans. Jed Fish, by the way, the coach at Arizona, announced yesterday as uh, Kalen DeBoer's replacement as Washington. Of course, DeBoer was announced as the new head coach at Alabama, so very busy there. Also yesterday, Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy announced that he is entering the NFL draft. McCarthy's decision come amid a report that Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh will interview with the San Diego Chargers early this week. One other uh, couple of scores. Not a good weekend for Texas basketball. Both the Texas men and women lost tough Big 12 road tilts on Saturday. Texas men lost at West Virginia 76-73. Texas women dropped a heartbreaker in frigid Manhattan, Kansas to K-State 61-58. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right, so what are the odds that Mike McCarthy has his job next season, in your opinion? Uh, zero. After that. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say zero. Probably. You think there's any chance that Jerry Jones keeps him? Especially, I mean, now you got Bill Belichick on the market. You got Mike Vrabel on the market. Nobody thought you'd have those two coaches potentially on the market right now. I mean, yeah. I think I think the, the your, your out question, there. I think it's slim. Okay. I just, I mean, uh, I did see a uh, – Adam Schefter had a tweet last night that I thought put it pretty well that, you know, Mike McCarthy's future with with the Cowboys was always going to be determined by his last game this year, right? I thought that was a good way to put it, that no matter what, I mean, yeah, 12 wins again, you know, however his last game went was going to be the uh, the mm. pivot point to the decision. Yeah, I mean, as we've talked about, if they played in the NFC Championship game and, had, you know, lost a tough one, that would have been his last game, and it would have probably indicated he's coming back and will continue to lead this, this, this organization. Even if you got beat like this in the NFC title game, it still would have justified a step forward. Yes. You know what I mean? So you can justify keeping him around. Yes. But and, it's not a step forward. You could argue this is a regression because you lost in the wild card. Right? Well, I know I asked you last week if the Cowboys were to lose this game, would Mike McCarthy be back? And you were pretty adamant that no. I, so I'm going to step with no. Yeah. I I think I mean I just don't know how you move forward with this. It's there's nothing to build on here because it's, <laughs> I mean we we thought going into the game yesterday that Dan Quinn was going to be headed to Seattle. That wow. was all the reports. Did, no, I think he was. Does Seattle no, want him? I, I, no, no, no. <laughs> I think he. I think mentally he was already checked out. Yeah, I think it he was, was pretty too. obvious that that whatever Dan Quinn does preparation wise that he was distracted. And I think it was the multiple job interviews or whatever went on Zoom interviews. I'm not sure exactly what the process is. But that Dan Quinn defense did not look like the Dan Quinn defense we watched all season long. No. And you, I'll give, by the way, I'll give the Packers a lot of credit. And I did say that Jordan Love, last eight games of the season, was playing like, you know, one of the oh, best you, quarterbacks listen, in, I was in, thinking the, about in you the NFL. He, I, was, I was thinking about you yesterday, obviously watching your Lions pick up a big oh, win, man. hearing about Dwayne Aquino maybe coming back. And we'll get to that coming up. But then, man, the uh, – 
the you you gave all the numbers. I mean, we we said, look, you, you don't don't sleep on this Packers team. They were three and six at one point this year. Um, that Detroit win on Thanksgiving Day, where they dominated the Lions in Detroit, really was a, a turning point to their season. And Jordan Love, last two months of the year, has played really really good football. Yes, yes. It continued yesterday. Man, we saw him dropping just dropping dimes. And hey, Cowboys, you want to defend the middle of the field against Romeo Dobbs. How many times did he just, like, the lazy that cross? six route, yeah, that six <laughs> route, and he crossed the entire field. So he goes from, goes from one numbers clearly, to the other side of the numbers. Clearly on film, he and Matt LaFleur saw, you know what, there's almost on, there's almost always a hole in their defense but you know right what? there. That is true, though, but you've got to have time to get it. And yes. usually with Micah Parsons and with Dorrance Armstrong and with Demarcus Lawrence, you don't have that time. They bought time. He bought time. Moved Jordan Love was in the moving pocket around. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, he was extending the play a little bit, and he would extend it just enough where he'd be able to buy some time. And he's got a golden arm. His arm is it is fantastic. I don't think we've watched it enough because they haven't been on a lot of primetime games, guys. That you see why they drafted him. You can see right now why they drafted him. He's got him tools. He's got he's tools. Got, he's got some physical traits that are elite. He was dropping dimes like uh, man. He's number what? Number ten? They used to what? be number twelve throwing right? those balls, man. But they, but he wasn't. His feet weren't even set. He was like, it's like no, back he was foot. Just, back foot. He's just slinging it out there. Oh man! Between Impressive. between him and C.J. Stroud, man, we watched some young quarterbacks play elite football. And, and in the playoffs, yeah, you don't see that very often. Well, and I thought what you saw as young quarterbacks also with great schemes. I mean, we go back to the Houston game, which we will talk about this morning on oh, you Saturday. Mean the Shanahan scheme, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the McShanahan, the McShanahan, the McShanahan I mean, franchise. As good as, as, as good as C.J. Stroud was, and I think we all got to see it. If you haven't been watching the Texans, you got to witness it. You and I have been watching it all year long. But, boy, you, you can't yeah. talk about C.J. without the game plan that Bobby Slowick drew up because, beautiful. I mean, guess this is the number one defense in pro football. Yeah. You talk, Another thing you told us all last week in your, uh, your breakdown was, you know, the, 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 the Browns play a lot of man coverage, and um, mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud has struggled against man coverage this year, and is, you know, as far as he could struggle. Uh, but, you know, they, I, mean, how many, I mean, how many wide open throws did he have? Uh, where, missed one that was what a deep one. Yeah, a deep one. He Look, was it, mad about and it. And if he had did Nico, Nico Collins on a deep one in the second quarter, mm. he would have had a three hundred plus yard, four touchdown first half against the number one defense in pro football. Uh, so yes, I mean that was CJ doing what CJ does, but also. Bobby Slowick drew up an incredible game plan to pick apart that defense, and you know it was only twenty-four to fourteen, you know, at halftime. And you, you were, if you're a Houston fan like I am, you're still tenuous, thinking, "Oh, geez." Uh, but then back-to-back pick sixes—that's when mm. D'Amico Ryan's, you know, kind of played that umbrella defense and kept everything in front of them. They did a better job, to say the least, on Amari Cooper, uh, Derek Stingley, in the young uh, corner played great. So everything that's great about Houston, their direction, their youth. They're still playing. They'll either go to Kansas City or Baltimore this weekend is the opposite of what we're talking about with the Cowboys because people are already talking about Bill Belichick. I mean, does Bill Belichick, I mean, he's 71 years old. Jerry Jones is 81 years old. Well, your, your biggest problem is you had big Dak energy for most of the yep. season. He, yep. I mean, he was an all-pro, guys. What, right? he was second, second team, team. Second, second team, team all-pro. All pro. Uh, you know what? I think this also psychologically hurt the Cowboys. Man, they had more all-pros than any team in the league, right? Six. And – I want to say they might have seven. If you look, I want to say they might have seven. I think we're going to include the kicker, yep. Uh, I want to yeah, say they Brandon might have Aubrey. seven. Um, but either way, they had more than anybody else, I, 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 th- I think, psychologically. Are we talking about first and second team? First and second team. Yeah, I that would have been uh, Tyron Smith made first and second team. Yeah, I believe they had more than anybody Ahead of Laramie Tunsil, which will but, surprise a lot of people. Um, but I'll go look at it and make sure. Either way, they're in the top two or three, most uh, all pros, in the, in, if you look at first and second team. And – None of those guys <laughs> played like it. I mean, CeeDee Lamb and Dak were – they were off early. They just didn't have the chemistry. I mean, that's the, that's the best quarterback wide receiving uh, combination in the league this year, arguably. And they started off shaky and uh, discombobulated. It was weird. It was awkward. Well, on. I mean, and again, for Dak I'll Prescott – I'll say give the Packers credit. I'll give the Packers a lot of credit. Well, look, at this stage of his career, at this stage where he is, Dak just can't play that poorly. Uh, whatever the reasons, whatever, we'll give credit to the Packers' defense, that's fine. But, I mean, gosh, the, the inter- first interception, um, it was a pretty good play by it was a, Jair Alexander to come over the back of Brandon Cooks and, play. Uh, and make a, a great DB play. I know you expect – but the pick six he threw right before the half. Yeah, that was – I mean, come on. Was, I mean, that was never open. Yeah. I mean, C.D. Land, the first guy, his, his defensive back was covering him. Yeah. And then he throws it the right to a safety. Yeah, that was it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you got to see that. I mean, and, and that's – 
that's seven, what seven years in your second team all pro. You can't make that throw. That was, I mean, I, I don't want to. I mean, I know the Cowboys came out a little bit flat, and and I give Matt Lafleur and the Packers credit. Won the toss, took the ball, drove it down with Aaron Jones and a run run pass mix, and drove it in the end zone. They sent a statement early, but you're the Cowboys. You respond to this at home, so you haven't lost on this field in 16 games, and you know there was still a ball game. That pick six was critical. And, and, you know, did it matter big picture? Probably not. But at the end of the day, another January, another Dak Prescott performance where he played his worst game of the year uh, in the month of January. There's something mental here, Rod. There really is, where they yeah. really don't have the clutch gene. They have the opposite. When, when it's the, the, the more of the pressure, the higher the pressure, whether it's McCarthy – Dak, the you know it, the whatever it is, the, the defense, the this defense. Time. I mean, it defense was just caved awful. in on itself. Yeah, I mean, it was an all around meltdown. Awful <laughs> for the Dallas. It's not even a phase where you can or a player you can you say, man, that guy played really good yesterday. I can't think of one. I mean, it really was that bad. For and, the we, Cowboys. and we just talked about all season long how they've been the way they play at home. Their brand of football at home is the best brand of football in the league. The Cowboys, the way they played at home, uh, but. That was a like I said that was that was the worst game they've played uh, at home, and I think one of the worst games they played all season long. If I go look at, it, I mean that was as bad as, even the San Fran blowout. Man, I thought there was some signs <laughs> early on that game from the jump. The Packers controlled it. Yeah, they came with they were mm. they had a better scheme, they had a better mm. plan, they yeah. executed their plan, they played with more energy. And I don't know if the Cowboys. I mean, it's hard. To, it's January. I don't know what to expect from the Cowboys these the, the, in this month. Uh, as we said, I don't know anything that happens from September through January into January doesn't really matter for the Cowboys. It's about now because Mike McCarthy, you know, didn't do a nice job over the last three years of organizing things week to week and making this a better football team consistently, um, you know, with he and Dan Quinn. But we all knew whatever happened this month of the year was going to determine whether this was a good season or not for the Cowboys. And I don't think any of us expected a just a complete collapse uh, to a to the seven seed who was. Fortunate to me, they were almost happy to be there at some level. No one expected the Packers in, no. in the year in which they moved on from Aaron Rodgers and moved over to Jordan Love, and we started three and six in their first nine games. And here they were just playing you off your feet in every phase. Uh, the youngest team in the playoffs, right? Youngest roster That's in the true, playoffs. True. Yeah. Coming in and playing with uh, – Versus you, an experienced uh, team. Oh, my gosh. With veterans, with a lot of old pros. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, and you said it. It seems like the Cowboys are cursed, but this is – something that is systemic within the organization, right? This is almost becoming generational now, <laughs> right? Because you're talking about something that's lasted decades. The Cowboys, uh, here are all the stats, and you brought these up. Dak Prescott, he's now 2-5 and five in his playoff career, tied for the lowest postseason QB win percentage in the Super Bowl era. Uh, so uh, Dak's got his issues, but the Cowboys have not advanced beyond the divisional round since 95, 5-13 and 13 in the playoffs since 1996, only team with 10-plus losses and five or fewer wins in that span. Uh, you brought up the stat from Ed Warder that's great. Well, it's not great. It's terrible. But the Cowboys are the first team to win 12 games in three straight seasons and fail to make the conference championship in any of them. Um, and I brought up the stat before the season started that the Cowboys are the only franchise with two quarterbacks to play in three or more divisional round games without winning one. This year they didn't even make the damn divisional round. So stat, can't, I can't even like keep up with that stat. Uh, it does seem like right now within the organization there's something about, like you said, the pressure of the playoffs and the culture of the team that does seem to be destructive. Like it's, it's, not, it's working against the Cowboys, whatever that is. Well, and you have three decades of evidence now. I mean, yeah. It's 27 years since Barry Switzer left, and they've had six different coaches. You realize now, Rod, the, the Texans, Houston Texans came into existence in 2021. Or two, 2002. 2002. Yeah. Announced in 2001. I always, I always know my. They're the same age as my daughter. My yes. daughter was born the same year that they <laughs> that they started. So they're 22 years old now. They're going into their 22nd year. That's legit. In the last 27 years, Rod, the Texans. They're only 22 years old. So the Cowboys had a five-year head start from you know five years of football. Yeah. The, the Texans have more playoff wins than the Cowboys. It's five to four. Mm. And, yeah. That's not good, and I'm not sitting here bragging on the Texans. Not like it's been a, a tremendous two oh, no. first two decades. And by the way, they pretty were mediocre. Dumpster fire in a fluster clock. Not for, long ago, <laughs> for like five years. But that tells you because this is not a Texans fan like saying, "Oh man, look at us." No, we've been pretty lazy, pretty lame. Mm -hmm. uh, but we got five playoff wins to the Cowboys four. 
And with different coaches? It's, it's systemic in this. And, and here's what I'll give Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, we know this all started with the divorce from Jimmy Johnson. He wanted to prove he could win a Super Bowl as a general manager, which is why I promised to walk to Dallas way back 25 years mm. ago now. Still the hottest take. But it's like – Way aging like fine wine. But when I, when, I, when I said that, Rod, 25 years ago, I never expected him to hold on to the general manager reins all the way to now. I'm 51 years old. This doesn't make any sense. Because uh, it's not because I will give Jerry credit that over the last eight to ten years he's given away more control. Will McClay and Stephen Jones mm-hmm. kind of run the draft. He they've drafted great, but there's still a systemic chain of command issue in Dallas. There is not when your owner who signs the checks is also the general manager who's on the radio all the time. You know there were there were you know four teams lost this weekend. What other owner ran to the to the microphone to talk to the media? That there's a, that's a chain of command problem, Rod. And talk to any person in the military, any place in leadership. Uh, you know, you have to have a chain of command where everybody knows who's in charge, who's not in charge. I think it muddies the waters it always has. And that's, that's, a, that's an old take. It's a, it's a 27-year-old take, but it's still true. It really is still true. And I'm not taking, I'm not taking anything away that Dak Prescott's lame performance. He came up lame. Mike McCarthy. But there is something systemically wrong with the organization. Until it changes – I don't think anything's going to change. Big picture. Big yeah. picture. It's gotten better. I mean, yeah, 36 wins, wins yeah. 36 wins in three years, pretty good. But it, you know, when you hmm. rise into January, you're playing the best teams. You're not playing bad football teams. You're playing great organizations, too. Yes, absolutely. What you're getting to, the Packers. You're talking about the Packers. They're such a great organization. Think about what Brian Gutekunst did, guys. And he took all that heat, and he knew it. He knew the personality of Aaron Rodgers, how volatile it was. But he also knew, hey, man, this guy, actually can, I can motivate him into becoming an all-pro, too, or becoming the MVP, which he did because Aaron Rodgers was so upset <laughs> about that draft pick. He felt so insulted by it, even though it was the way that he rose to prominence. They, 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 they gave him the reins just like they, they're going to do for Jordan Love. It was history repeating itself, but in a good way. That's a quality organization. I, I criticize the Cowboys for not drafting enough quarterbacks, and yet you have the Packers on the other end of that who are drafting quarterbacks early. In the first round, traded up to draft traded up, they have a Hall right? of Famer. And they uh, talk, about, talk, about, talk about visionaries. They did it with Aaron Rodgers, with Brett Favre. They know at one point the quarterback cycle of life right, is going to come to an end. And you know what? We want to we wanna, we wanna, we, we'd rather be the team that ends up getting rid or – Obviously, trading or you know, cutting this quarterback too early rather than holding on to him too long. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. we're just getting warmed up on a five-hour conversation this morning. The Cowboys, who also have key free agents coming up this offseason, they've got uh, new contracts to do. Decision on Mike McCarthy, and uh, obviously lame performance yesterday. But you're right. When you get to this point in January, you're playing good organizations, really good coaches, really good teams, and uh, the Cowboys are exposed annually now in the month of January, no matter how good they are in the regular season. Uh, All right, so we'll get to uh, more of that, more on the Texans, more on Wild Card Weekend. The games today, there are two, 3.30 and uh, 7 o'clock tonight to round out the field of the divisional round this coming weekend. Uh, We'll also talk Longhorns behind the burnt orange curtain. What a busy weekend it was. His name is Bond, Isaiah Bond, Rod. Uh, That developed quickly. Also, uh, his name is Akina. Dwayne Aquino. We'll get you the latest on that front. Yes, and uh, Jade Barron makes his decision. He is going to be part of that uh, 5-1-2 crew in the defensive backfield for the Longhorns, Rod. The 5-1-2 mm-hmm. represented in 2024 like with uh, Andrew Makuba, Jade Barron, and Michael Taff all uh, anchoring a Taff rebuilt Daddy. Longhorn secondary. So we're talking about all things Longhorns, all things Cowboys, Texans as well. Jump on that bandwagon. Uh, if you can, we will continue the conversations all morning long. I'll hook them up with Ian Rodby. Just getting warmed up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. A bitterly cold Monday, so be careful out there, obviously, if you are, uh, if you do have to head out, which is uh, okay. If you got to get to work, Rod and I are working for you, talking Cowboys, talking Wild Card Weekend, Texas Longhorns, and all things in between. Coming off uh, four games over two days, including the Cowboys in the latest January uh, complete letdown, meltdown, collapse, whatever you want to call it. Uh, game of the weekend was last night. The Lions held on to beat the Rams 24-23. Great game. game. Matt Stafford back to Motown, which was a cool storyline. Yeah. Jared Goff beating his former team and playing great doing it. Dan Campbell, his team picks up their first postseason win in 32 years. 32, 32 years. That's crazy, man. God. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, you're right about that. I mean, I'm in high school last time this happened with Detroit Lions. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, and, of course, Houston, the story of Saturday with their performance over the Cleveland Browns, 45-14. to D'Amico Ryan's team was completely buttoned up with a uh, prodigious young quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Stroud. Uh, who's just you know, can't even put enough adjectives on what he's doing right now. Uh, best rookie season of all time, um, which which is not hyperbole, no. Rod. Best rookie quarterback season of all time. Yeah, it is. I mean, because he's doing things seen, that no rookie's ever done. Yeah, <laughs> over he, and over again. He's the youngest uh, quarterback uh, to win a playoff game. I mean, that's <laughs> so <laughs> adding to what you just said. Though, literally, he's breaking all types of records. He's already got like two things in the Hall of Fame. He's got like two footballs in the Hall of Fame and some cleats because of all the records that he set this year. Yeah, and he's still going because yeah. it was, you know, it's arguable as the greatest rookie regular season of all time, and now he's done something no rookie's ever done, which is win a playoff game. So now it just makes it the best season uh, a first-year quarterback has ever had or a rookie quarterback has ever had. We would argue that, remember, Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter. Remember, he sat behind Alex Smith his first year in Kansas yeah, City, but his so, first year as a starter, yeah. he was yeah, and tremendous. Yeah, and Jordan Love is great, but he's, he's Third, sat for a couple year. of years already. Yeah, so, but no, you're talking about rookie. Out of college and into the NFL rookie year, doing the things he's done is, is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And then when you see the you know, only five interceptions all year long, he's thrown up, you know. I mean, it's not like this is a – let's just remember this about C.J. Stroud before we drop into behind the burn orange curtain because we're talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend. The Cowboys were the mm-hmm. ugliest, but the Texans were way in the good. Think about this. The fact that, uh, you know, he's a rookie at, at playing quarterback. You know, you think, okay, we're going to protect him with the running game. Well, they're, they're 22nd in rushing. They didn't really find their rushing attack nope. until Devin Singletary kicked it up uh, in, in after their bye week. And they kind of gave up on Damian Pierce, who just didn't pick up the scheme and was not having a good second season. So they gave it to Devin Singletary. They've been able to run the ball, um, you know, back half of the season. But most of the year, they haven't been able to run the ball. Nope. They've had a banged-up offensive line all year. Yep. Um, you know, injured, and they're finally healthy up front, which is why there's excitement in Houston right now about this run that they're on. Um, but he also, we talk about Patrick Mahomes and all his receivers dropping passes. According to Pro Football Focus, the Texans lead the NFL and drop passes. <laughs> Think about that. The Texans lead the NFL and dropped balls. And we saw Dalton Schultz drop one early in the uh, Texans game. Yeah. It's like, okay, so come on, this guy's got banged up offensive line, no run game. His, his receivers drop more balls than anybody. And he still had the best rookie season of any quarterback of all time. I mean, that's yeah. You know, we're we're getting you know, I don't know if it's possible to get too far over your skis with this young guy. Um, he is unbelievable. He is really unbelievable. But but D'Amico Ryan's doing a hell of a job because he is, uh, you know, just this the belief this team has and the uh, uh, the defense they played to, to hold the Browns to He's fourteen amazing. points and just total package, total package. And the the other way, the flip of that is the Cowboys. They were the uh, they were the same way the other way. They were completely a wreck. They were dis- in all phases. Yeah, disorganized, <laughs> dysfunctional. <laughs> uh, I mean, they really were, and it's just—it's uh, amazing what one elite quarterback can do for an entire franchise to uplift the entire franchise. And I think that's the Dak. Uh, obviously, critics out there. I mean, that's pretty much what they're talking about. That's why they don't like. Dak is their quarterback because they don't believe Dak is, Dak's elite. And in those moments, in playoff time, um, that usually is exposed. And well, I mean, in this, in this, in this, sport, in this sport, it's about a great, you know, much like we talk about Texas and the, the BBs in the box and the alignment. It takes a good ownership group with a good plan and then, uh, um, you know, a good roster. But at the end of the day, it's coaching quarterback. It's coaching quarterback. And once again, we were reminded yesterday that the Cowboys have an average coach and an average quarterback when it matters most. Whatever Dak is in, in the you know, regular season, he's not that in January. He's just not. Uh, now the Texans can get excited because they, it appears they have an elite coach and an elite quarterback um, in their first year. A lot of, you know, which, which that, that's what the game is. I mean, if you have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you've got a chance to win every year. you got Sean McVay and Matt Stafford, if you can stay healthy. You know, they were in the tournament. They played well last night. They lost a tough one. But that, that, that group will stay together and keep on winning, it feels like. And now you got Jordan Love with uh, Matt LaFleur, Rod. Mm-hmm. 
Good, yeah. good looking combo right there. Uh, but nobody's ceiling appears to be higher than the Texans right now. With that in mind, let's talk about high ceilings. Let's dive behind the burn orange curtain. What a busy weekend for the Longhorns and a lot of good news for Texas, it felt like, over the weekend. Let's get Rod's thoughts. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, a lot of big news on the 40 acres. Let's talk about the things that we know that have already happened. Jade Barron did make an announcement via social media. It was a video that actually involved uh, Michael Huff. Huff Daddy wasn't involved in it, uh, so shout out to Huff Daddy. And I assume it's going to be a jersey change here. Uh, not really sure because seven, yeah, yeah. Huff Daddy did give him this number seven jersey, and then there was some uh, some theater about it. So I'm assuming that and they had the Thorpe Thorpe Award involved in it, so it's pretty cool. You should go check it out on social media. But anyway, the uh, the the crux of the announcement essentially is that he's coming back to the 40 Acres, so Jaday Barron will return. Um, we don't know exactly return and exactly how he's going to play the nickelback or if he's going to play you know some other position because um, Makuba is coming in too. Makuba can play nickel and safety. But it's really interesting to see. I think they should cross train him. I've been saying this for a while. The I think the pitch for him to win the Thorpe. He's not going to just win the Thorpe because. I don't know if he's going to make enough plays on the ball for them to just say, oh, he's going to be a Thorpe Award winner, I believe. Maybe this year he could have been a semifinalist. If he wants to win the Thorpe, the pitch has got to be he's the most versatile defensive back in the country, period. That's the pitch. Because even if he doesn't make a lot of plays on the football and doesn't have a lot of splash plays, still you can show off his versatility week to week. And that alone, especially with now you have entities like Pro Football Focus, you have Sports uh, Info Solutions, you have all these different you know, uh, data-driven uh, entities that will be able to figure out, oh, man, this guy's playing a lot of different roles on the team, which he can do. He can play safety, which he's done sparingly at times. You played him at corner. You've played them at nickel mostly. I think you should move, move them around. And with the versatility now that you're bringing in, I mean, think about it. You're bringing in Makuba, who's a versatile DB. Uh, Dabble says he can play any position in the secondary. I think Jade Barron can play any position in the secondary. I think Derek Williams, who's going to be your starting safety, can play safety and can play nickel. Those guys sh- should be interchangeable as your three inside defensive backs, right? Your, you know, they, and I know that's kind of going toward a three safety defense, but it's not. It's just being able to uh, be less rigid and more malleable defensively. When you're rigid and you have your nickel that has to play a certain role and has to be aligned a certain way in a certain coverage, uh, that rigidity essentially gives off clues and hints to the to the to the offense about what coverage you're in right and what front you're in and there are times which Dave Barron wouldn't travel in certain coverages um, and that's when teams got into manipulating matchups with the safeties which formationally with three by one sets or with formation in the boundary into uh you know kind of counter against that for Texas, you make your defensive backs, well, they're all malleable. They're all essentially interchangeable. They can play safety. They can play nickel. So there isn't a matchup disadvantage for them or a matchup advantage for the offense like you found this year. Guys, think about it. Late in the season, teams were picking on Jade Barron late just because they had figured out the rules of the defense Based on the formation, they knew where his leverage was. They, they knew exactly what leverage he was going to play. They knew exactly what technique he was going to play. They knew uh, the rules of the defense kind of based on his alignment. So his two worst games of the season were when? Oklahoma State and Washington. Well, And it wasn't because he's not a great player. It's because by then we know his skill set also, but we also know the rules he has to play by. And I think you can, you can give the – offense, uh, I would say maybe misinformation by having defensive backs that are more malleable, that are interchangeable instead of having oh, your nickel has to play this alignment, this leverage, this technique in this coverage with this front all the time. And I just think it gave, that's why late in the season, I don't even think it was Jaday Barron's fault a lot of times. Some of it was because there were a lot of double moves and out and ups, but for a guy like Jaday Barron, you want to sell him as a Thorpe Award finalist? I think you – by the way, I think he may be the most versatile DB in the country. He's definitely one of them. 
I think you sell that, and the way you do it is not only do you uh, prom- you kind of uh, promote and you, you 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 deploy and weaponize his versatility week to week based on the matchups, um, but then also I think you can do it with all of your inside defensive backs. I think they have that ability, Derek Williams and also Makuba, who you're bringing in. So that's how I would do it, and that's why I would sell it. I mean, if he comes back, he's going to make a lot of plays, but you're also going to have a narrative to sell, and that would be the narrative that I sell. If I'm Texas. Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, we, we've talked about eight DBs moving on to the NFL or into the uh, transfer portal. Pretty clear that Texas wanted to go a different direction, as you just talked about, in mm-hmm. the type of defensive backs they deploy. And, you know, when you just, you know, take what you just said with versatility with three safeties who can play multiple positions, uh, two young corners in Terrence Brooks and uh, Manny Muhammad who you feel like, uh, you know, with another year of development are going to be really good outside corners. Uh, going the, after this Jabbar Muhammad, too. And they're Malik also – Muhammad's kinfolk, yeah, his cousin. And Michael Taff. I mean, that's the, the beginnings of a, of a pretty darn good secondary. And, yeah, the, that's the other development of the weekend on the portal side is that uh, with Washington's coach, Kalen DeBoer, leaving to go to Alabama, you know – uh, Jabbar Muhammad, who we saw in the national cha- in the uh, semifinal game, and Flo- very aggressive player, war number one for Washington, made some really nice plays against Texas, um, and he is cousin to Manny Muhammad. Yes, he is. Uh, report: I saw our friend Jerry Hamilton of uh, On Three Sports reported that Cowboy uh, that uh, Longhorn coaches were in Dallas to meet with Muhammad uh, as a portal prospect over the weekend. So keep an eye on that name. And then, yeah, then it came down yesterday, Rod, with the Isaiah Bond situation, the wide receiver. It's big. You know, we've talked a lot here behind the Burn Orange Curtain and about Texas that they're overhauling their secondary. So, you know, to, to get a Andrew Makuba, uh, a three-year starter at Clemson on a really good defense, an experienced player from this area to come back and then get Jade Barron to stay and stick, uh, huge for the secondary. Then receiver, you're placing almost all your catches <laughs> and your explosiveness. Yeah. Uh, where were you going to find that? Well, Nick Saban up and retires last Tuesday, and pretty quickly the first player into the portal was their leading receiver, Isaiah Bond, and he's already committed to Texas after coming in for the weekend. Uh, I mean, elite speed, Rod. He's out of Buford, Georgia. Yeah. In, 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 at the highest level of high school football in Georgia, he won the 100-meter and the 200-meter as a junior in the track team in Georgia. So we know he's explosive and can run and uh, still developing as a wide receiver, but – you know, you're about to get him for his, what, junior – he's coming here. He, he talked to uh, Pete Thamel. Uh, no, no, it was Pete Thamel. He talked to one of the recruiting insiders and basically said he's coming here. It's a business decision, not that he's making money from NIL, but that he wants to improve his draft stock. Yes, he wants – much like A.D. Mitchell, right? He wants to come in as a, as a piece of – a guy that look, is fast and we know he's explosive, but he said he wants to improve his draft stock mm-hmm. and put himself in a better position for the NFL and feels like the Texas offense – with Quinn Ewers and an experienced offensive line can give him that opportunity to showcase his skill. Yeah, it was Pete Thamel. His, uh, his quote was, um, just like the business world, you make the best decision for your company. My company right now is my draft stock. I feel like I'm putting myself in position to increase that um, and, I, and have better draft stock. He also said playing for Steve Sarkeesian with quarterback Quinn Ewers were main attractions 100%, he said, of Ewers. He's a great big-time pocket-passing quarterback. He's a top pick in the draft next year. I'm also going to be a top pick. It's going to be a great duo. So, yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> – and that's, that's part of the sales pitch for Texas. And, you know, that was – they're replacing probably 80% of their overall passing game. If you look at, you know, the JT Sanders in there with the three wide receivers that are leaving, with the transfer portal guys, with Jay, uh, Jonathan Brooks that's leaving, and yet it became something that was – it went from being an area of concern and anxiety for Longhorn fans, and in probably a week's time now with Isaiah Bond, Matthew Golden now thrown in the mix as well, uh, and you got a young Jonte Cook who's going to be, you know, obviously I think he's going to be a great receiver too. Uh, and Ryan Wingo, young guys coming in via the recruiting class. I mean, you got what, two four stars and two five stars now that are look, look to be the – uh, this, the, the top four front runners to be in the rotation of RC. If I have to pick four guys to be in that circle of trust that I talk about with Sark because he doesn't like a, a heavy rotation of wide receivers, it's going to be a really tight uh, rotation of wide receivers. Uh, it'll probably be right now, I think it'll be Jontae Cook, Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond, and I'll take a young Ryan Wingo. Uh, he or DeAndre Moore likely to yeah. emerge as the, the receivers for Texas. Those are, all those guys have elite traits and skills. And they're, you, they're NFL wide receivers, in my opinion. 
And then you wonder if a guy like Savion Red continues to evolve as his uh, Swiss Army Knife kind of player, right? That running back, Wildcat, or Red Cat as we called it. Plus, mm-hmm. he played receiver his first year. Could he kind of fill that Jordan Whittington physical kind of player role? We'll see. However, Sark, uh, but he does have pieces to play with in the, uh, the Seems game. Seems like he's going with explosive speed, right? All these guys have that kind of commonality. You know, Isaiah Bond, you talked about his top-end speed. Jontae Cook's a guy. He's all around, but uh, he can he can hit a top-end speed on you. Yeah, uh, Matthew Golden's explosive, right? He was one of the best kick returners in the country because that guy in space, he can be a problem. Um, and I think it feels like that's where uh, Sark is going. He wants he wants more speed on the field. Well, and Ryan, Ryan Wingo, Wingo is a guy, yeah. And Ryan Wingo also brings speed <laughs> with size. Different. Yes, right? and yeah. You're, and you're run after the catch. Probably looking to replace a little bit of that A.D. Mitchell and a size, right, that can go up and win the contested catches, plays, the one-on-one balls. Uh, but good stuff right there. So Isaiah Bond is in. Uh, Jade Barron coming back to join Andrew Makuba, his That's buddy, yeah. from the five one two, and then we'll get to the Dwayne Aquina story yeah. and where it stands. It's not official. It's not That's official, a, official yet, but I think it's. I think it, good. yeah, I think it will be official. I think it, you know, I think it will be done, and it's you know, but you know, I th- we'll talk about the, what that impact can yeah. be when it does become official. But we'll also say this: it's good when you talk about you know your portal plays. The Longhorns have now added, by my count, four players in the portal or five, four, five. Uh, uh, they've lost thirteen in the portal. So far. Yeah. Uh, Charles Wright, by the way, the Longhorn former uh, quarterback committed to Appalachian State over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you're right. You're right. Four, because it's Trey Moore, Makuba, Matthew Golden, and now Isaiah Bond. Bond. Yeah, those are your four. Yeah, you're right. You're four. And I saw a tweet from Matt Miller, who is the ESPN draft scout. Yeah. When you're bringing in players through the portal who the draft guys are already looking at, I mean, that's the third one. I mean, when you're talking about those draft guys build their top 100 board, mm-hmm. Andrew McCuba's already on it yeah. for next year. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Bond's already on it. Mm-hmm. And then Trey, Trey Moore, Moore is Trey already Moore's on it. it. Yeah. So if the NFL draft guys are going, oh, man, these guys, the long ones are not just picking up dudes. They're picking up production, guys that we're watching. That's pretty good because that, and the, all those guys are coming here to, to play in bigger spotlight games and improve their draft stock. Yeah. You know, if, if Jade Barron wants to be the Thorpe Award winner, Andrew Makuba probably like to be in the conversation about the Thorpe Award too, yeah. potentially, so, and improve his draft stock. Both of those guys will be jockeying for that conversation. And then, yeah, I, you know, Isaiah Bond wants to replace Xavier Worthy as the, maybe the go-to receiver at Texas. And Trey Moore, bring that edge rusher that Texas has been lacking, who can get to the quarterback, had 14 sacks, 14 and a half sacks for UTSA last year. Plus Matthew Golden, an impact player, both at receiver and on special teams. We'll come back when we do. Uh, we'll continue these conversations, again, again, including what the facts. It's not a good one involving the Green Bay Packers when they play the Cowboys in Arlington. Also, I know a lot of people hated it, but the Peacock Network did well on Saturday Night Rod. Well, Details coming. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Time for What the Facts on this MLK Day observance holiday. And uh, facts are this, Rod, the Green Bay Packers own AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Green Bay is an organization now 6-0 all-time when playing in that stadium. 3-0 in the regular season, 2-0 in the postseason, 1-0 in the Super Bowl. Not good. Won their Super Bowl there. So Aaron Rodgers typically has played well. Now Jordan Love shows up and looks like a uh, a replica all of a sudden of number 12. <laughs> they, that's the way they <laughs> do it. back foot dives. <laughs> hey, it's the Green Bay Packers do it. That's three in a row now. They, they've drafted. Uh, it's hard to hit on three uh, franchise quarterbacks in a row. It is. Hard to hit on one in a row. It's hard to hit on one in a row. It looks like they've hit up. This is their th- yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's definitely their third franchise quarterback in a row. Most teams screw it up at one point there. Hey, Rod, uh, in addition to the big contracts the Cowboys have to decide on, Dak Prescott is apparently doing extension on how you can give him one after oh. that performance yesterday. You're going to have to. What, what else are you going to do? I know. Michael gonna, Parsons needs you, one. CeeDee Lamb needs a contract. You don't draft quarterbacks like the Green Bay Packers, so you better you pay no the one you got. Unless your Cooper Rush is going to be your quarterback. <laughs> uh, but also this offseason now, which began yesterday for the Cowboys. Sounds like they never even showed up for that mm. game. Uh, Tony Pollard's a free agent. Tyron Smith, second-team All-Pro, is a free agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 10-year contract finally e- expiring. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, Tyler Biotis, their starting center. J. Ron Kurse, their starting safety. Jordan Lewis, Jonathan Hankins, Neville Gallimore, Dante Fowler. 
uh, Rico Dowdle, all free agents for the Cowboys. Ooh, and who needs to be paid? Uh, Micah, Micah, CD, CD and Deron, Dak. and Dak. Deron, and Deron Bland, play Deron. first team All-Pro. Dude, Deron might win. If Miles Garrett don't win Defensive Player of the Year, it's Deron Bland. It's going well, outside of those two. Well, that's where you're going to project a healthy Trevon Diggs is coming back, and so you'll have he and Deron Bland. But you're going to have to sign Deron yeah, Bland. Pay Deron Bland. Yeah, yeah. He, he played. He outplayed that contract. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, that's I, I didn't know they had that many free agents actually. But this you said you kept saying this is the year like this because Dan Quinn's probably going to leave. Even though Dan this was Quinn the window, great. this was the but window we talked last week and all season. The immediacy is now, and that's why we'll hear him coming up in our headlines. But Jerry Jones was floored. He didn't have anything to say. He was speaking to a microphone and a bunch of cameras, but uh, he didn't have anything to offer. And uh, I don't know what you do now. I mean, uh, I mean, sure. I mean, they should have fired the general manager 20 years ago, 25 years ago. That would have been the easy answer. But at this point, you know, people talking about Bill Belichick at 71 years old, Jim Harbaugh. Why would Jim Harbaugh want this job? I don't know why Jim Harbaugh would take this job. That's a great question. I don't know why, why I mean, he would take cap, this job. It's a cap mess. Well, just because I don't know right now if you're choosing between Dak or some other young quarterback or the opportunity to draft your own quarterback, you'd probably – Go young. Take the other, other opportunity, yeah. I mean, Justin Herbert, you, I mean, some people would take Dak over Herbert, but uh, well, we'll I think, see. I'm with you, I, I, I think 27 years would show you that it's a fact right on our what the facts, that it's, it's, it's above the coach. It's, this is, this is uh, the fish stinks from the – it rots from the head rod. Yeah. And it always the, comes from the top. The calls are coming from inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> the call, it's a, it's the it's calls a are coming problem. from inside the house. And as you talked about, it is, a, it is a, uh, a coach in a quarterback league, but the GM plays matchmaker. The GM is the ultimate matchmaker. Well, don't leave them out of the Houston is, equation. Are the, Nick Casario's done a great or job. Or the owner. Yeah, or the, yeah, the owner, but they, they're the one who's picking. So ultimately we've got to give the, McNair's uh, some credit there in H-Town because you pick Nick Casario, and then Nick Casario you know, ends up picking you know, the head coach and the GM. But that, right, that hierarchy and the chain of command, as long as the GM is making a – he's the right kind of matchmaker and he's picking the right head coach with the right quarterback – that's half the battle, and I for the for the for the Cowboys, obviously, um, there's a struggle there. There's some disconnect there. It's, well, and it's yeah. been for 30 years. I mean, and it, I mean, it's it's such an old story. I mean, uh, and I, I as as I've always said with Jerry Jones, he's a great owner. He's one of the great businessmen, and he's he's made a lot of people a lot of money in the NFL with his uh, business savvy and his business sense. He just should have given up given up general manager reigns long ago, and football operations that would have been. Who knows the success this organization could have, but he still maintains it, and it still, I think, rots the pro, you know, just undercuts the he, whole program. He's given up more personnel control, which look at their roster, right? They got as many, if not more, all pros than everybody else, but he haven't get, he given up control of hiring the coaches. So you could argue still, and he still obviously got some personnel control. He got as much as he wants, but that is that's crucial because, like I said, the GM he's the matchmaker. And right now, for the Cowboys, that's their biggest issue. Do they have the right coach-quarterback combination? And based on their playoff performances, you would say no. Shout-out to the Lions. Uh, speaking of what the facts, this will be the first season in Lions history that they will host multiple playoff games. Awesome. Yeah, never happened before. Never. The, that's a great story. <laughs> that's crazy. Also, uh, last night you might have heard Mike Tirico on that game, the Rams-Lions game, announcing that NBC – and their Peacock streaming channel run, most streamed event in U.S. history for the Chiefs um, game against the Dolphins on Saturday night, 23 million. Yeah. Everybody complained about it. No one knew how to do it, but uh, I had it. You had it. They held America. Neighbors had it. Yeah. I mean, they held America hostage and made you watch that. <laughs> made you watch it. You had to, and, by the way, that doesn't include all of the, uh, the pirated streams. That's right. Yeah. It was the latest Ice Bowl, and, yes, uh, Taylor Swift was there. She's probably hey. a big part of the 23 million streams. Damn right most watched is. streaming event in U.S. history. On, We're man. back. Hour 2 of 5 coming next.